chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We're kicking off a new uh, series tonight, which is going to take us through April, uh, where we're really wanting to look at the heart and vision that we have as a church here at St. Dee's. So if you're joining us or you're here, you're here at sort of ground level, um, floor one. So let's get stuck in. Uh, we want to just really work through four of our values, which if you've seen one of these, stick a hand in the air if you've seen our new welcome pack. Uh, so, not many of you. Uh, so anyway, we're having some more printed. We're slightly short on stock, but they are flying out the door. Uh, and they're available at the back, but uh, from Tuesday night, if you're here, we should have a lot more, and we'll have up banners, we'll have lots of stuff going on. But we wanted to publicize some things that we feel really strongly about. And in this pack, uh, the front page looks at our values on the back. And three of our values are to encounter God, that's the vertical, to embrace one another, that's the horizontal, and to engage with the world, that's the missional. And on the front page is our new mission statement, which says that we want to grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are. But then it goes on uh, to have four different inserts, four cards, which are really four action points that we want to drill home and underline to us as a community that if you see yourselves as part of this family, part of this church, then we want to see, well, we want you to share our passion for these four things. And they are to get connected, to get involved, to get giving, and then to get out. <laughs> that's a slight tongue-in-cheek moment there. Uh, that's mission. God's heart for the world. He, he commands us to go. So each week we want to look at a different value. But we're losing one... Uh, evening to uh, baptism on the 17th of April. There's going to be a big baptism service, a couple of our own guys getting baptized in the water. We're getting in a sort of, well, a bath or some sort of pool to do them in. So it's going to be amazing. We've not done it before. It's a, it's a first for the evening service. So that's going to be, bring your friends. It's going to be a fantastic service. So tonight I'm looking at two, and I'm looking at the values of get connected and get involved. Why, you might be thinking, why should you do anything? telling me what to do. Why should I get connected? Why should I get involved? Well, I want to dial back a bit. It's what I love about the Christian faith is you can always dial back to the overarching and it always makes sense. So hopefully this will make sense. We want you to get connected and to get involved because we believe it is fundamental to who you are and how you've been made and God's plans and purposes for each one of us. I wonder if you ever ask yourself, I'm sure you do, what are we even doing here? I don't mean just in St. Dee's or in London, 
But what are we doing here, alive, in the universe? Why is there life at all? And in a word, or in three words, it's simply because God is love. That's what the Bible tells us. God is love. How do we know God is love? I mean, separate to creation, separate to us. How do we know God in his essence is love? Well, we know because God is Trinity. And this is what's unique about Christian theology, about the Christian faith, because no other faith has a view of God where he is three persons in one being. In other words, where he is in his nature inherently relational. You see, this is why we as Christians can say with confidence that God is love. Because separate to us, separate to this universe, separate to creation, separate to human beings, God already had and enjoyed relationship within himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's been likened to a dance within the Godhead where they just dance and weave in and through one another. Mutually preferring each other, mutually lifting up each other, mutually loving and honoring each other. God is love. He enjoys himself. He is three and yet he is one. And it all starts there with that simple truth. But God being love didn't want to keep that love to himself. And so... The Christian belief is, and the Bible holds out, that God created. And he created a universe. He created a world. And within that world of uh, created creatures, living beings, he created us. The pinnacle of all creation. Man, made in the image of God. Made to know and enjoy his love. To know relationship with him that begins now and goes on forever. Eternal life. That was always God's plan. God wanted to share his love with us. With people. God wanted a family. And so he made human beings. And he put Adam and Eve in that garden. And long story short, we, we know what happened. Things started well and then they went slightly peat-tong, slightly dropped off a cliff. We wanted a bit of fruit that we couldn't have, weren't allowed. We broke the rules, we disobeyed God, we turned from him, we went our own way. And death and sin entered the world. And and we read in Genesis of God who used to walk in the garden. Son, I forget every year this issue with the sun. He walked over here one day in the garden. (laughs) Sorry, guys. And... He would walk, we read, in the cool of the day. And you can picture it, can't you? Adam and Eve just going strolling with the creator of the universe, just catching up on how their day was. You know, how was the garden today, Adam? It's fine, fine, no weeds, amazing. It's all going wonderfully. And yet on this occasion, the Lord walked in the garden. It says Adam and Eve, they heard his footsteps. But this time, for the first time, they hid They hid from their creator. They hid from the lover of their souls. And God said, Adam, where are you? And 
They came forth saying what they'd done. They owned up. They fessed up. And God's judgment came on them, came on the serpent, came on the world. It's why we see a broken world around us. But you know, even as God's judgment fell, his mercy was seen and his plan for the restoration of all things was revealed. You see, where, where Adam and Eve felt their guilt, felt their shame, and covered themselves with homemade goods, with fig leaves, we know the image, we've seen it, God took them. And we read that he clothed them in skins. And you know, right there in the Garden of Eden, right on the back of us, turning our backs on God, going our own way, we see a God who loves us, loved Adam and Eve so much, loved humanity, that he made a way for their shame, their nakedness, their guilt to be covered. And it was covered through sacrifice. Where did those skins come from? Some animal gave its life to cover man's guilt. And right there in the garden, right at the start of it all, we have a picture of God's plan to redeem humanity to bring us back into relationship with himself, to cover shameful nakedness, to enable us to stand in his presence. But it involved sacrifice. It involved the shedding of blood. And right then, that points to God's plan for redemption that was worked out through the entire Old Testament, the Old Covenant, God calling a people through Abraham, through his descendants, Isaac, Jacob, through Israel, through the Jews, through the giving of the law, calling a people to be set apart to himself, that they might know his nature, that they might be able to have relationship with him, a relationship that had been lost, that none of the rest of the world had access to, because God wanted a people. He wanted a family. And we see right from the start God's commitment to us, his love for us, his desire to redeem and restore all things. And that's the story of the Bible. And this is what we've been celebrating, you know, this last week of Easter. I hope you all had a good Easter. I'm presuming you did because none of you were here last week uh, <laughs> well that said there were about 30 of us we had a great time it's a very different vibe and we love it but I hope you had a good time but I hope you had a God time as well remembering what it is that God has done for each one of us in Jesus coming on Good Friday going to that cross shedding his blood so instead of taking on animal skins and covering our nakedness we can be clothed in Christ in the righteousness of Jesus and stand before a holy God who accepts us who loves us who welcomes us this is what the story of Easter is all about this is what Good Friday the cross is about but it doesn't stop there because three days later he rose again. He rose to new life. Life eternal. Ascended. Making all things new and calling a people to life in him. A life that will never, never end. This is what we've been celebrating. This is what we live in the light of. And because of Jesus, we get to stand clothed in his righteousness. Nakedness covered. Shame covered. Guilt covered removed 
And I share this because the Christians we've just read of in Acts, they were no different to us. Sometimes read the Bible, don't we, as if like these guys had a different story, that they were somehow a different sort of breed to us. But they were just human beings. They were men and women like you and me, who had daily issues, who had to pay bills, who had to hold down jobs, who had to provide for families. They were like us. They had doubts. They had fears. They had hopes. Whatever it was, these were the guys. And they were living in that first year in the light of Easter, just as we are today. They couldn't see Jesus anymore. He'd risen by this point. He'd ascended. But they came about. The church was born following Pentecost, following the church, gathered in an upper room, waiting, praying, seeking God, the Spirit falling, Peter preaching to thousands, and thousands coming to faith in one day. And what we read of here in Acts is how that church, how that early church used to live used to interact because I don't know about you but I want us to be a church that as closely resembles as possible that early church don't you great (laughs) I take that as British you know a British yes a a loud and resounding yes when I hear complete silence don't worry we're used to that that's what we want this is what we need to get back to And this is why we're making it one of our values here at St. D's to get connected. In a sense, it's a contradiction in terms. Because if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a follower of his, if you love and trust him, then you are connected. You have the Spirit of God living in you. It's taken care of. You're going to live forever. Hallelujah. I won't ask for an amen. You lot. But by get connected, what we mean is more the horizontal level. Connecting with us as a church. Connecting with one another. Because this is how we're called to live. This is God's plan to transform and redeem and restore the entire world. Is to bring about a people who are called by his name. Who know him, who love him, who live differently. Who love radically. We're called to be like a Petri dish where God is just developing his kingdom culture, a culture that will infect and transform the entire world. I mean, let's be honest. Isn't that what's happening? This is the first church. There were were several thousand, maybe a few thousand of them. Before that, there'd been like about 150 of them. Then one day they go to a few thousand. And then today, there's over two billion Two billion people called by the name of Jesus. Yeah, maybe some of them just tick the box, but you get my point. God's culture, kingdom culture, is infecting this world, is taking over. He is working his purposes, his plans out, and he does it through the local church. He wants to do it through us. Eugene Peterson, who authored the message translation of the Bible, which could be some of your favorite translation. Amazing pastor, writer in North America. He said this, the Holy Spirit forms church to be a colony of heaven in a country of death. And that's our vision. With all this stuff, all we're going to be looking at this next month, is looking at who are we in Christ? What is our identity? What are we called to be? 
can't get a better picture of it really than what Eugene gives here. We want to be a colony of heaven in a country of death. And we need to be clear of one thing. Those without Christ will die. Judgment is to come. Eternity is at stake. There's everything to play for. And God wants us to be a colony of heaven in the society, in the city in which we live. So when we say get connected, which essentially I'm wanting to say tonight, to challenge you on how are you connected, when we say that, we're not just saying it because we want numbers on a sheet. How many are in life groups? Oh, you know, only 89. Let's get to 100. It's not because we want to just tick boxes off. It's because we want to create a kingdom culture here in Parsons Green, here at St. Dee's. It's because we want to create a colony of heaven that transforms the world around us and brings the message of hope. It's because we want to be part of God's plan for restoration of the world. When we say get connected, it's not for our sake. It's for your sake. It's for the world's sake. It's for God's sake. Because God wants his family back. Life groups. Just give me a wave if you're in a life group here tonight. There's no guilt, no condemnation. So good number of us. When we say get connected, what we'd love... Because if you're to get the culture, if you're to get the DNA of us as a church, then you need to know who we are. And the best way we do that here at St. D's is by being part of a smaller group. You see, you can come on a Sunday, you can have a great time, you can have the bars and the feel, you know, you can meet some people, but it's much harder to go deep. And life groups are where we do life. They're where we get to know God better, but also one another. Where we do this community aspect. You know, this early church... How did they live? Well, we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Those of you who are in life groups will know what it consists of, but for those of you who aren't, a life group's really just a church that meets in a home. This early church, in fact, these early churches, they didn't just, you know, they didn't have a sort of 10,000-seater stadium where they'd go to. They'd meet in people's homes. They'd meet, meet in groups, groups of sort of 20, 30, 40 whatever the home could afford, accommodate. And when they met, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When, when life groups here at St. D's meet, they'll meet uh, and they'll look at the word of God. They might reflect on the sermon that's been. They might be doing their own series on, I don't know, spiritual gifts or looking, doing a series in Ephesians or whatever it might be, but they'll get this book open, this book that changes lives. They'll look at the apostles' teaching, which is what the New Testament is. We try and be devoted. That's what you can get. That's what you can experience in a life group. This early church also devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, what is fellowship other than a, a weird word that Christians use, like parochial? Well, fellowship is really what we're doing now. Fellowship is just hanging out, really, but intentionally. That's another Christian word. Intentionally hanging out, fellowshipping, gets made into a verb. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but fellowship is it's doing life together another horrid expression I'm really producing the goods but it's encouraging one another 
It's living alongside each other. It's knowing and being known by not just God, but other human beings. You know, so many people, they try and do a private life as a Christian. They think they can just rock up, keep themselves themselves, have a cup of tea, and then whisk away, and that, that they will flourish. But, you know, they won't. Why? Because you've been made in the image of God, and God is relational. He's Trinitarian. And if you're not relating with your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you will not be flourishing. Life groups are there. Smaller groups are there to enable us to be church together, to fellowship together, to encourage each other, to know each other, to hear our stories. And they are amazing when they function well. I've heard of stories of people who had uh, twins. They gave birth to premature twins. And the twins had to be in hospital for a number of weeks. And this home group just rallied around that couple and made meals every day, meals that could be frozen. They just took care of that business. They took that weight off the shoulders of the parents so that they could be there for their premature twins. It's things like that, or hearing another story of someone in a, in a group who needed, desperately needed to get home to be with their family, but they couldn't afford the flight, and the group rallying around, contributing together, seeing that there was no need, coming together to, to buy that ticket to enable their brother, their sister, to take that flight home to be with their family. Beautiful examples like that, stories like that abound of what communities like these groups, like our life groups, are capable of, the kind of things they do. Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread. Speaks here of um, dev being devoted to breaking bread. That has a sort of dual meaning. Yeah, they, they ate together. We read that later. They broke bread in their homes. You know, they had good times. They had parties. They feasted. They celebrated. They welcomed in. They had dinner parties, whatever it was. But also they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That speaks of the Lord's Supper, remembering what Jesus has done. That Every time they gathered, they said, this is why we're here. We wouldn't be here without this. Without the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Let's remember that. Let's give thanks. They devoted themselves to that. Life groups do similar things. This is what they're there for. To remind us who we are. What our identity is. Finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. Life groups will, will worship, might have some time singing. When one used to meet in my flat, my, my walls are completely paper thin. I mean, I sometimes hear conversations next door. So when my group was meeting and singing, I don't know what the neighbors were thinking, but we, we don't meet there anymore, so don't worry. Uh, but you'll meet together, you might worship together, but you will also pray together. You can get prayer for what's going on in your life. Get others standing with you, speaking to God on your behalf, asking for his help, his life to enter you. That's, that's what it's about. It's about being church. But church together. And they're amazing places. If you're not in one, I, I want to encourage you. Get connected. Why? Because you are already connected. You already have the spirit of God living within you. You're already part of the family. So just go and be family, wherever best suits you. We've got about 15, 16 groups available. We've got new ones coming off, you know, the conveyor belt all the time. 
we need it because we're growing, because God is bringing people together, because people long for community. Why? Because they're made in the image of a relational God. I want to encourage you tonight to get connected. Secondly, I want to encourage you to get involved. Get involved. The second card, the second of our action points as a church, part of our vision. We read here in the early church, it says um, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. I mean, we sometimes moan if we meet together twice or three times a week. I do Alpha and Life Group, Pat. Uh, (laughs) They met together every day, so don't give me that. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) All the believers, verse 44, were together and had everything in common. I love that idea. Imagine being part of a community where everything we had was pulled, was resourced, Sounds like a sort of communist agenda. It's not. This is a spirit agenda. This is new creation. This is restoration. This is a picture of life as it's meant to be led. Everything in common. I don't just want to talk about the material needs, financial needs are contributing there. I want to see that having everything in common tonight as more having our gifts in common. Having our talents in common, having our strengths and unique shapes, how God has shaped you, having that in common available to the wider community. Because that's what we need. That's what the church needs. That is what we need to commit to if we're going to see dry bones come to life. If we're going to see a community impacted and transformed, if we're going to see the church revived, it will need every single one of us playing our part and getting involved. Because don't leave here tonight without knowing that you have a unique shape and you have unique gifts that only you can use. And you have a part to play that only you can play. I love, you just have to turn up with just a Sunday service, just here tonight, to realize this to be true. We've just worshipped, I don't know if you noticed, we just sang songs. We sang songs led by a band. Did you notice that? And that is a band made up of musicians, really laboring the point. And those musicians are mainly volunteers, apart from James Hellings, who just laughed, because he's paid. (laughs) So apart from him, everyone else, everyone else you saw up here, they're not here because they're paid. They're only here because they put their hand in the air and said, you know what? I play the keys, you know. I play Khan. What else is here? I, I play the guitar and I play the cello. They're here because they've got unique gifts. They've got unique skills. How many, who else plays the cello in here? There you go. Yes, one other. We'll, we'll see you later. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen you up here yet, Emily. Uh, no. There's no guilt. No guilt. If Rachel doesn't stick her hand in the air, no one's playing cello. We're not enjoying that. We're not enabled to worship God in, in just a, a new way. 
If the others don't say, yeah, I'll turn up, you know, an hour and a half, two, two hours before the service to practice, to, re to rehearse, to put out the keys, to carry the leads, horrid leads and stuff. If they don't volunteer, people don't put a hand in the air, it doesn't happen. You have a unique gift. And I'm grateful that these guys do because I don't play any of these things. I've actually played all of them. Do you believe that? I've played the piano, I've played the drums, I've played the guitar, I even played the cello when I was young. I gave it all up. That wasn't very good. I've got other gifts. What? <laughs> Rude, again. I'm a DJ. No, I'm joking. We are a church made up of people using their gifts, their talents, their strengths in different ways. Tuesday night, we're going to be voting people onto the PCC, the leadership group for this church. People with different skill sets, people with different talents, some with a mind for consulting. They can see strategy. They can see the way that we need to go. Some with a financial mindset who are able to just steer us away from the rocks, keep us financially afloat. I don't know about you, but that's not me. I'm grateful that we've got those people. You know, there's a guy who helps in the morning. He's called Alan. Give me a wave if you know who Alan is. Alan is amazing. He's been here for years. He's been a member for years. And every single Sunday morning when he's in town, when he's in London, he stands from 10 o'clock in the morning on that door, welcoming. Why? Because he's got a heart for it. Because he... He knows he can do it. It's a skill he can offer. It's a service he can render for the good of all, for the body. And you know what? Stories are told about Alan far and wide, and not just London, not just the UK, but worldwide. People saying about this guy who they met. I meet random people who no longer come here, who came here years ago. It's like, oh yeah, I came there a few times. There was this guy on the door. Well, it's, and he's like, Alan, yeah. Alan, who just gives his time to come and serve and who blesses unique shapes, unique gifts. What are yours? How has God gifted you? How can you get involved in the wider life of the church? Because you can, every one of us can, and every one of us is called to. Because you've got a part to play, you're part of the body. You know, you might think and like look at your own gifts and think, oh, I can't play the cello. Um, I'm not very good at sound desk. I can only do this, but that's a bit rubbish. Those guys are amazing. I'll leave it to them. You know, but that's like, that's like part of your own body, getting jealous about another part of the body and giving up functioning. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? Can you imagine the eye just looking at the hand and just, having, just getting a bit resentful of the hand? Just thinking, oh, so smug, the hand. Just always just grabbing things. Just picking things up. And the hand. Always waving and just doing stuff. I hate that hand. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Or the foot saying, you know, I wish I was a knee. Always bending. Always, always doing that stuff. And um, not much else. Uh, <laughs> The body doesn't talk like that because the body needs every part. Our body is a whole. 
Every part serves the other. The hand protects the eye when something comes at it. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, you are the body, and every part of you has a part to play. No matter how glorious or how inglorious. Is that a word? It is. I know some of you are thinking, who is the armpit? I'm sure that has a key function in the body to play. Every person is a part of the body. And we're called to play our part, to mutually build one another up. You have a gift only you can use. You have a part only you can play. What is it? How are you using it? How are you getting involved? Some of you will know. Some of you will be able to say off the bat, I do this, 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 and that's my capacity. And that's amazing. Some of you might be thinking, I've never really thought like this. We want to hear from you. More importantly, we want you to hear from God. And then come and offer that service to the body. And you know what? General service is fine. I just want to say a word to us since this is the five o'clock congregation. You might notice that the five o'clock when you turn up, it happens and there are people on the door, hopefully, to welcome you. There's a cup of tea or coffee if you get here by five. Cafe finishes at five now. That's the new ruling, guys. So get here early to get it. Chairs are out. Things are happening. And you know what? That's happening because we've invited life groups that we want you to get connected with to come and serve. Every five weeks or so, it's a different life group coming to enable church to happen. And you know, my heart, my passion, isn't that people would just come and just think, oh yeah, it's our turn to, you know, do set up, you know, put chairs out, it's our turn to do coffee. But that they would get a bigger vision for what they're doing. That each one of us, each life group would say, this is our chance to serve the wider body. This is our chance to say, man, we love this church. We love our brothers and sisters. We are going to go and lay on a first class service because they're worth it and because God's worth it. I want us to get a vision where we don't see it as like just putting out chairs, but we see it as enabling the people who sit on those chairs to worship the living God, to hear from his word, to be encountered by his spirit. I want a vision that the guys who, whatever, do the coffee, the tea, lay that stuff up, they don't just think, oh, I'm just providing a beverage, but they see that they are helping recreate the family of God, the community of God, enabling people to meet, relationships to be formed. I want it when you're stood on that door, when it's your group's turn, you don't just see it as welcoming people off the street, just saying hi this way, hi this way, but rather you see it as welcoming the lost home. where you see it as welcoming royalty. Because if they already know the Lord, then they're a son or daughter of the king. And they're royal. What's your vision? What part can you play? Because if you're not playing your part, if you're not using your gift, then the rest of us are missing out. You know, read of this church in the 16th century um, time of the Reformation. It used to meet on a hillside um, and it used to meet at night and obviously they had no electricity, electricity back then and so everything had to be candle lit and the way they did it was that every person had a candle at home that they would bring a lantern 
and they would bring it with them up the hill. You'd see a file of lights, a long line going up to the church, and then they would gather. And because they would all be in there together, the whole building would be filled with light. A combination of each of their lights coming together. But then sometimes where a member wasn't there, couldn't make it, perhaps was sick, or perhaps was just not feeling it, want to watch Netflix. The community, later, when they saw that person, with no guilt, no heaviness, they would simply say, we missed your light today at church. Guys, why get involved? Because you are a light. You carry a light that only you can carry. And we're called to come together as church, to be one body, one people, so that we can be the light of the world that we are truly called to be. Amen.